Christian. The resurrection was Joey Monteleone. The Holy Spirit was uh, Kevin, Kevin Davis. The church was uh, presented by uh, Larry Kramer, I believe. And Forgiveness of Sins was last week by Jorge Ormaza. Today's topic is eternal life. Um, it's taken from uh, the words of the Apostles' Creed, which talks about, and the, we believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life to come. Amen. That speaks about eternal life. And um, I'd like to start off uh, just by a very familiar verse of Scripture. You see it everywhere. And the football season is about to be upon us, and you'll see on the camera, and someone will be holding up signs of uh, John 3.16. I put it in two ver uh, versions here. The King James, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, and I put that in red, but have everlasting life. That's in the King James Version. Then the NIV, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Uh, another verse in Scripture that I think is an important one concerning eternal life is John 3.36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. I don't know if this is working, but we'll see. There it is. Uh, that's a scene. It's a familiar scene. Um, an all too familiar scene. It's not uh, a scene that we'd like to be part of. Uh, this is a cemetery. And you see friends and family gathered around a casket. And there's a, someone in the front there. It looks like a might be a minister, it could be a, a rabbi, I don't know. It could be just a friend who's saying a few words just before the uh, casket eventually is lowered into the ground. Um, in fact, the word, uh, here they are at that cemetery. The word cemetery actually comes from a Greek word, which means sleeping place. Uh, my question is, is, is the cemetery a place of a, a final rest? You hear about uh, when a person passes away, when a person dies, they say they finally have at their place of rest. Um, well, the question is, are they really at rest? Uh, another question is, where, ha where is that one passing on to? And is there something more to look forward to than right there, right in that ground? Um, George Bernard Shaw, the Irish playwright, he had this to say. He said, the, statist the statistics are impressive. One out of everyone dies. And then we get to the Old Testament, rather, rather more sobering verse. Psalm 89, 48. What man can live and never see death? And then the New Testament. We go to Hebrews 9, 27. For it's appointed unto man, and that also means woman, uh, unto man, once to die, and then after this, the judgment. Um, if you can, I don't know if I can do this correctly, but I did a little fact-checking and uh, tried to find a survey of what people think about the hereafter or heaven or eternal life. And I noticed that seven out of, in this particular, this fact tank in 2014, five years ago, seven out of ten Americans believe in heaven. Heaven is defined as a place where people who have led good lives are eternally rewarded. And 58% of Americans believe in hell. 
and they define hell as defined as a place where people who have led bad lives and die without being sorry, being sorry, are eternally punished. And I thought this was an interesting stat. The atheists, those who don't believe in God, and agnostic, those who believe there might be a God, um, or those who say that the religion is nothing in particular, 37% um, believe in a heaven, while 27% believe there is a, pl a place called hell. Um, I thought that was an interesting statement, uh, interesting stats, because Jesus said that seven out of ten believe in the heaven, and I guess that means they believe that they're going there. And yet Jesus said, enter through the small gate and the narrow road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Uh, if only a few find it, I, I think that's far less than seven out of ten. But I don't want to quibble about statistics. Uh, but that's certainly what the Lord said. Um, but most people think that, you know what, I'm, uh, if I die, uh, when I die, I'm probably going to heaven. I've led a good life. I've been a good dad or a good mom. I've been a good worker. I've given to the poor. I went to church every Sunday. I made my contribution. Um, and all kinds of hosts of other things. I've opened up an orphanage. I've done this. I've done that. I've done, I've done, I've done, I've done. Well, religion is the, is the um, that's how you spell religion, done, D-O-N-E. Uh, um, or I should do, it should be D-O, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But um, eternal life is done, D-O-N-E, because Christ has done it all for us. Uh, we don't have to earn our way to heaven. So I'd like to uh, approach today with a series of questions. What is eternal life? Is there a coming resurrection, immortality of the body? What happens when a person dies? Is there life after death? Heaven, is it too good to be true? Is it truly a real place? So we'll I'll address it from these, with these questions, and I put a host of verses there. I'm not gonna read every single verse, but they're there for you. If, you could just, if you're taking notes, you can jot a few of them down. If you want, I can uh, print this out and I can put it in the back uh, later on for next week. I didn't do it this week, unfortunately. Um, so if you see all those verses, they're all related to the questions that we hope to answer today. So what is eternal life? Um, eternity. I think it's a hard concept for us to understand because, at least in my finite mind, um, my human nature, I can't understand eternity in its purest sense because I tend to speak and I s tend to think in terms such as these, uh, beginning and ending, okay? You, you, like a business quarter, you begin the business quarter, you end the business quarter, right? You begin the school year, you end the school year. Um, starting and finishing, right? You start a race, you end a race. You start a round of golf, you end a round of golf. Opening and closing. Uh, my family and I just went to a, a musical last week. You know, there's a, an opening scene and then there's a closing scene. We, I, I tend to think in those kinds of terms. Um, most dictionaries define the term, as Charles Riley noted, in a negative. Eternity, without termination. I also think we um, tend to think of eternity in terms of time, and that's a problem, uh, because we're bound by time. We're wrapped around time, and we're also 
uh, bound by the limitations of time. We have appointments, we have schedules, we have sporting events that they have. There's a time. Uh, the NFL's about to start soon. You're going to hear the two-minute warning. How many times are you going to hear that in the next eight, uh, five, six months, whatever? But God is not bound by time, and he's not bound by the limits of time. Um, for with God, it's a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. So he's not bound by time whatsoever. In fact, God sees time in a manner that we don't see time. See, he sees the future as clearly as we probably think we see the present. He sees the past, he sees the present, and he sees the future in a way that we can never see it. He sees it crystal clear. And he sees the end from the beginning. And the reason is, is because he is the eternal God, the El Olam. He's the eternal God. Uh, consider this verse, Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were born, and you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Now, the word eternal, we're speaking about eternity. The word eternal is actually taken from three Greek adjectives. Uh, I won't get into the adjectives of what they are, but one of the adjectives meant of the ages. And there's, it's written 71 times, the word eternity, with those Greek adjectives. And 67 of them are related to either the word eternal or the word everlasting. In fact, 42 times is written as eternal, and 25 is written by everlasting. And those two words are interchangeable. So let's talk a little bit about, for a second, what eternal life is not. Eternal life is not this endless period of time, although it is an endless period of time. It's far more than just the duration of time. Because, and it shouldn't be confused with life here on earth, because there is a time period, there's an ending time period on this earth. It's called death. And we're all subjected to it. But the Apostle Paul said the following. The things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now think about those two words. Temporal and eternal. Temporal speaks of having a beginning and an end. But eternal, especially an eternal life, a spiritual life, has a beginning but doesn't have an end. And so what is eternal life? Then eternal life really is a new existence. It's a redeemed existence. And you get that redemption through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's granted to all who believe in him. For faith in your own salvation? No. Faith in the salvation that he has provided for us. It's a new quality of life completely. That I don't, I have to tell you, as much as I've studied this, in the past month, I still don't understand it completely. It, all I know is it's a new existence, and it's going to be enjoyed for the believer in Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever. And I can be saying forever and ever and ever, forever. So, and it is truly a gift. It's not something that we've earned. The wages of sin is death, Paul wrote in Romans 6, 6.23. The wages of sin, is de uh, of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's there. In fact, eternal life existed in, the world in our world before it even began. And I'll, just a couple of facts. 1 John 1, verses 1 and 2. That's why I put those up there. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and what we have touched with our hands, 
We proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, and we have seen it, and we testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Titus 1-2, a faith and a knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised from the beginning of time. Eternal life is written in the Old Testament. Daniel 2, uh, 12, verse 2. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Eternal life was spoken by the Lord Jesus himself. John 10, verse 28. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. It was actually spoken of by Peter. In fact, it was mentioned by our brother uh, during the, uh, the breaking of bread this morning. Uh, John 6, verse 68. This is um, at a time when the, a lot of disciples, a lot of people, were the followers were falling away, didn't want to follow them. Jesus asked the, the, the apostles, do you want to leave too? And Peter answered, he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. Brothers and sisters, the, the, the truth is, from the scripture, from the Bible, that we were once dead in our trespasses and sins, but we're made alive for all eternity. And I'm going to play Captain Obvious here. See, eternity and eternal life is, is eternal. Um, eternal life never dies. Eternal life has a beginning, but doesn't have an end. J. Sidlow Baxter read an interesting book by him. It's called For God So Loved. He had this to say. It is the union of the words eternal and life which transform the sterile concept of mere unendingness into one of eternal fullness and eternal glory. John 17, 3. This is actually, uh, uh, if I might read it, this is the Lord's high priestly prayer, not to be confused with the Lord's prayer, in, in, uh, I think it's in Matthew 6, but it says, after this, Jesus said, he looked up into heaven and he prayed. This is a, an intercessory prayer, a prayer of petition. He's, he's calling out to the Father. He says, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those who have been given me now this is eternal life that they may know you the only true god and jesus christ whom you have sent one of the other uh, commentators and i do a lot of research and commentating i try to because some of these uh men especially with those who have gone on before us were really really gifted and touched by the holy spirit and um but jj reeve he had this to say about that very verse, okay, about that very verse. It's not a definition in the usual sense of the word. It is Christ's own description of eternal life, what we just read in John 17, 3. That's his own description. It is to know God and his Christ. That's eternal life. This knowledge is vastly more than mere into, listen to this, intellectual perception and understanding. How many out there? They don't dis disrespect Jesus Christ in this sense. They say, yeah, I read about Jesus. He was a good man. 
did a lot of good. Um, I, I guess he's God. I believe he's God. I went to a parochial school. He, I, 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 I participate in, in all kinds of things in my church. I, I perform the sacraments. I do all this. Yeah, I believe it. You know what that is, folks? Can I tell you what that is? Brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you. That is that old tract, Missing Heaven by 18 Inches. That's the distance between your head and your heart. People will acknowledge it in their head with their brain that Jesus was who he is, but they will not submit to him as a Lord and Savior. And don't, I, I implore you, don't miss heaven by 18 inches, especially some of our young people. Don't miss heaven by 18 inches. Later on this, this quote, he said, it is the bringing of the whole experience of man into a right relationship with the personality of God. It is into this experience that Christ came to bring men. And eternal life is not something you have to wait for. It's a present possession. It's a precious possession to every true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, consider John 3. John 3 is laden with all kinds of verses related to eternal life. Um, I put them there. I'll just read a couple of them. John 5, 24. I tell you the truth. Some of your Bibles say verily, verily. Some say truly, truly. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. John 6, 40. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. John 6, 47. I tell you the truth. Whoever believes has everlasting life life. This is a gift from God. This is eternal life. It is a precious gift. All right, the next, let's see if we can get that. There it is. Is there a coming resurrection? Question two, an immortality of the body. Interesting question. Because if we see that cemetery scene, there's probably, it might be people there who don't believe in that, of immortality. In fact, when you think about the word immortality, it's related to the word immortal. Immortal describes something that will never die or someone that will never die, not subjected to death, having an unending existence. And then I looked up immortality, and I was looking for a few synonyms, and I found three that were kind of interesting. One is hereafter, and then a couple of biblical words. Imperishable, which Paul read earlier in the, in the um, Breaking of Bread, and the word eternity. Now, we kind of use immortality, uh, I think, rather casually sometimes. Because a person whose fame lasts uh, over a period of years or beyond the years in which that person no longer lives, uh, for their many achievements, things they have done, is said to be one of the immortals, an immortal in a particular field. Um, maybe a sports legend, a well-known author, uh, an actor, actress, uh, someone in the science field, one of the immortals, right? Uh, the medical field, their work lives on, so, they're, so they consider our, our living on, if you will. Um, maybe young people can help me. Is there such a Marvel character as Mr. Immortal? I was told that there is. I'd like to know what he does. But anyway, I mean, we, we kind of casually use that word. Um, you know, and what does immortality have to do with us since we're mortal beings? Well, it's because in regard to the future, eternal life brings with it immortality. Consider this verse, 
2 Timothy 1, verses 9 and 10. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, and now has been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now, if you think about those two words, life and immortality, life, I think, there is more related to the soul and spirit. But immortality speaks about the body. In fact, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15, 53, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. The Apostle Paul was referring to the resurrection of the body there. Now, before we go on, the question is, well, am I really immortal? Uh, I'm going to say no until such time as we're in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that tells me that we are not immortal. We're on our way to immortality if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only one I can honestly say who is, has immortality is the Lord Jesus Christ. The only one in the universe. Why? Because another verse that we read earlier, Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death has no more dominion over him. He's the one who, he's of the first fruits. Jimmy just read that. He's, uh, he, um, he is the one who uh, rose from the dead. He's immortal. Um, you know, when you speak about rising from the dead and the resurrection, and I know that Joey had spoken a little bit about this in the resurrection uh, message that he gave a month ago, there's so many people that scoff at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the bodily resurrection. Some believe it never happened at all, some believe that it was just a symbol so that we can live a righteous life and that our spirit would eventually go to heaven if we're good enough. Uh, I, I think all of that is a, is a deception. And I, I have to say it's a devilish deception at that. Christ was indeed raised from the dead. He appeared to Mary Magdalene. He appeared to the other women. He appeared to Peter. He appeared to the... Uh, two disciples on the way, on the road to Emmaus. The other disciples, he appeared to the seven beside the Sea of Galilee. Over 500 at one time. To his brother James, the Apostle Paul. He rose from the dead. Plus, Acts 1-9, we have this. And after he said this, this is Jesus, he, Jesus, was taken up before their eyes, the disciples, the apostles were all together, and disciples, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Jesus was ascended into heaven in a resurrected body. I'd like to quote Mr. Baxter again. Jesus, he, is the pledge of the coming resurrection and the immortality of the bodies of all his blood-sealed people. Are you a blood-sealed person? That's with the Lord Jesus Christ. You want some encouraging news today? You want some reassuring news I'll try to give it. Here are some promising news which I think we, we can't overlook. Our joy, our delight, is when we enter in complete fullness of eternal life, and that will include a body, not like the one we're in right now, but one that will be a glorified body, one that will be an immortal body, one that will be fit for all eternity. I think that's worth looking forward to. All you have to do is go into your uh, medicine cabinet. I'm really dating myself when I say that. All right, you go into, into, your, into your bathroom, there's your medicine, and that's going to be gone. We don't need to worry about that. This is, this is not the body we're going to be in heaven with. This is the promised hope 
the promise of an immortal body for those who have eternal life in Jesus Christ. Philippians 3.20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior. From there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that we will have a body like his glorious body. All right? They will be like his glorious body. Now, I know that you know, some of you, especially young folks, you work out, you love your body, you think you're in great, fantastic shape. Okay, you are. Wait till you get to be 65. Okay, that's all I'm going to tell you. All right? Enjoy it now. But this body wasn't meant to live throughout eternity. It is not immortal. Uh, next one, Matt. What happens when a person dies? Is there really life after death? There's a host of verses there, a lot of verses. I want to go back and say this. You know, does, does a person cease to exist upon death? Is a person totally annihilated then? And if he isn't annihilated or she isn't annihilated, and they don't cease to exist, where do they go? Where do they go? We all understand death. We've all experienced it in the sense of uh, loss and sorrow and the emotion that goes, with, uh, goes on with death, the curse of death. Um, Jesus himself, he wept when Lazarus died. Let us tell you something. But what happens when a person dies? Is there really eternal rest? They say that all the, all the time, you know. Um, I've been to a number of Catholic uh, funerals, and I'll say, eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon him. And may the souls and all the souls of the faithful departed uh, rest, etc., etc. Is it really rest? I wonder. When a person dies, is there going to be jubilation? Is there going to be celebration will there be some elation or we or maybe it's going to be something different devastation separation and maybe isolation and that's something that we have to remember because the bible teaches clearly teaches about two resurrections from what i've read is the resurrection of the saved and is the resurrection of the unsaved it's just one or the other now immediately after death all true believers all who put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, while, 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 listen, while they were on earth, not after, they're going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Alfred Gibbs had a nice, interesting little um, outline, and I thought it was interesting. And it's related to what we read in Luke chapter 16 about the rich man and Lazarus. You, you read that. He said there's conscious existence, there's a conscious blessing, and conscious companionship for those who know the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw that with, with Lazarus. Not the rich man, though. With the rich man, it's a far different scene, a more frightening scene. It's a scene for those who have died without Christ, who have never repented of their sins, who don't believe that Jesus Christ was the Savior, who don't believe he was the Messiah. They don't put their faith in him. They don't ask for the forgiveness of sins. For them, 
There's also a conscious existence, but there's a conscious existence of torment. We saw that. And then there was isolation. We read that too. There was this chasm, this big gulf, this great gulf. One cannot go to the other. That's isolation. Someone has said the following, hell is the truth seen too late. Seen too late. So we get to the resurrection of the saved, and John read for us 1 Thessalonians 4, um, verses 13 through 18. This is the first resurrection, when Christ comes for his own people. Now, who, is his, who are his own people? Well, Larry talked about that um, a couple of weeks ago when he talked about it's the church. It's the called out true believers, all those who are saved by the blood of the Lamb. John 5, 24 we read before, but the second part of that verse has this. He said, uh, if you believe in me and who sent me, you have eternal life. But he also says this, and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. When is that happening? We don't know. Matthew 24, 36. The Lord Jesus said this himself. Of that day and hour, no one knows. Not the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. You've got to be ready. We don't know. Uh, if, you're, you're, if, you're, if you're one of the Lord's, uh, we're about to go on a flight. It could be at any moment. Uh, when does it happen? As we said, uh, it could happen in a moment. It could happen today. It could be, I may not be able to get through this. It can happen. That's the rapture of the church. The result, all those, we read it, all those who die in Christ, who have died in Christ, who are dead right now, will rise first. And we, who are alive, will be caught up with those who have died in the air to meet the Lord and to ever, ever be with the Lord. When is that going to happen? We don't know. But one thing will happen. It's going to happen in a twinkling of an eye. Or if you just snap your finger or blink, that's how it's going to be. And here's the other part of that, the rapture. What's this life going to be like when all the true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are, have taken a flight up to see the Lord, okay, to be with the Lord? Those driving cars, those flying planes, those behind uh, computers, making sure that the trains are on the right track. I think you're going to have complete chaos on this earth when that happens. I read years and years ago, and I think I might have mentioned this, that there was an airline who actually never put a Christi um, two Christians together in the same cockpit. They put a non-Christian and a Christian just in case this happened. Quite interesting. Don't know if that's totally true, but it sounds like it's true. So, um, we're going to ever be with the Lord. Uh, the Apostle Paul called that the redemption of our bodies. This is going to be a time of great jubilation. We've all had loved ones who have gone before us. We get to meet them in the air. So ever be with them. And the interesting thing about that, and I'm not sure about the exact detail, the dead in Christ rise first, we are alive, we get to rise with them, and then we meet the Lord. You know, it, if that's so, and I'm not sure about the exact wording of that, but if that's so, you, you just imagine the humility of the Lord Jesus Christ. He allows us to be with our, our own, our loved ones, our friends, our Christian friends, and then we meet him in the, 
in the air. And perhaps it's one of these kinds of situations. I'm not so sure. But Now for the unsaved. Nothing to be jubilant about. Nothing to celebrate. The unsaved, who are they? John read in uh, actually Revelation. But in Revelation 12 too, it said the dead, great and small. Those who have died in their sins. John 5, 29. Those who have done evil and will rise, will rise to be condemned. Not to be redeemed, condemned. When does it take place? It takes place a thousand years after the rapture. After we who are ready with the Lord, a thousand years after that. Uh, after Christ reigns on this earth for a thousand years, it's called a millennium. Then, the unsaved get condemned. At this time, they were in Hades. We read that. And the result, and where does this take place? It takes place at the great white throne of judgment. There's judgment that's going to be uh, taking place there. The Bible says the books will be open, and there's the book of life. And if you're not written in the book of life, those books that are open are going to talk about your life. I, I, I give you three verses. Romans 2.16 I think I have it up there. Listen to this. God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ. That's thoughts, isn't it? Next, I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word that they have spoken. That's words. And then Jude 15, I put it there for you. Judgment and conviction of all the ungodly, of all the ungodly acts that they have done in an ungodly way, all the harsh words that sinners have spoken against them. To me, that speaks of deeds. It says books. To me, that's plural. So there might be more than one book. Might be a book of thoughts. Might be a, th- a book of words. Might be a book of, of deeds that you've done. And you're going to be judged according to them. And the, and, and the interesting thing about this is the judge is going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. Now think about this. The Lord came on this earth the first time Born in Bethlehem as a babe. He was our suffering servant. Went to the cross. But when he comes next, he's coming as judge. God has put that into his hands. The Father has put that into his hands. And the sentence, and by the way, there'll be no one representing, representing you there as like an attorney or something before this great white throne, is eternal death. Eternal death is complete separation from God forever. It's known as the second death. Second death because the first death was the death of, a, of your body. But this is the second death. These are for all those who have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And where do they go? We read it. They are thrown into the lake of fire. That's their place of permanence. C.S. Lewis had the following to say. Hell is nothing but yourself for all eternity. Complete loneliness. Complete isolation. Complete separation from the love of God. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about this as far as eternal life was concerned. I struggle with this mightily. Mightily because this is not good news for some. Some in our own families, our friends. There is no escape. There's no chance for an appeal. There's no suspended sentence. There's no pardon for time served. Um, there's no annihilation. There's no universalism where God will one day say, okay, 
I was only kidding. You all can go to heaven. That's not going to happen. There's no chance, no chance whatsoever where another person who is here on this earth can pray you out of the lake of fire so that you can go to heaven. There's no other place. It's final. You'll be unable to repent beyond the grave. The great D.L. Moody, American evangelist, he said this, and I don't know where it is either, but he said, now if there's a chance for a man to repent beyond the grave, I can't find it between the lids of the Bible. It's not there. It is not there. Jesus said, if you die in your sins, where I am, you cannot come. And yet the Lord is, our, our God and Father, is very patient with us. He's patient with us. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. As some understand slowness, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God does not want anyone to go to hell. I read a, a, a message by a pastor uh, some time ago um, that was written some time ago and said some time ago. His name is uh, Kerry Shook, and he had the following to say. People have to walk over the crucified body of our Lord and Savior to get there. He's talking about hell. You have to walk over the crucified body to get to hell. It's a choice. It's either eternal reward or eternal consequence. So my question is, is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? And finally, our next question, heaven, is it too good to be true? Is it truly a real place? I don't think we were created just for a limited time in this earth. In fact, if the more I read the scripture, I know we weren't. Even 100 years on this earth is a grain of sand on the beach in comparison to the forever of eternity, when you think about it. Our heavenly destination is to have eternal fellowship with God the Father. That's why we were created. And although we only get kind of like a screenshot, if I can use it for you young people, how was that, right? I said the right thing? I had to ask my kids about that. What do you call that, the screenshot? Yeah. Even though we get a screenshot about what heaven is like, uh, it's enough to know that it's a glorious place. It's a magnificent place. It's a wondrous place. In fact, the, the Apostle Paul was only able to describe it in this way. 1 Corinthians 2.9, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. It's going to be beyond our imagination. It's, I, I, I cannot even, I think the Apostle John had a very difficult time to try to explain it. In fact, I heard kind of a joke. I don't know, one of the guys said, maybe after, after our prayer meeting one time, he said that, you know, when we get to heaven, he says about the, the man who says to Apostle John, John, why didn't you try to explain all this? This was so great. He said, I did. <laughs> Meaning, in my mind, in my finite mind, I tried to give it such a great ex explanation and what a wondrous place heaven was. I did the best I could. It's too wondrous to explain. Randy, in fact, all the things that go on on our earth, a beautiful sunset, uh, island paradises, 
if you've ever been to an island paradise. Um, a beautiful sunset, the rising of the sun. For those of you at Camp Aracorna, maybe you've gone a little hike and you saw like the rising of the sun. You ever see the, the sunrise in the morning? Um, the birth of a child, birth of a grandchild, all those things are wondrous things, and, and it gives us great pleasure. Randy Alcorn, in his book on heaven, said, it's just a glimpse of heaven, all those great things that happen in our life. It's just a glimpse of heaven. Heaven's going to be far, far greater, far, far greater. It's a real place. The Apostle John, in, his, uh, in, in the Gospel according to John 14, 2, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not told, um, if it were not so, I would have told you, I'd go to prepare a place for you. It's a real place. And then he says, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. It's a prepared place. I like what John MacArthur had to say. He said, heaven is a perfect place for a people made perfect made perfect and we'll ever be with the lord we'll get to even we even get to reign with him we get to reign with him um we shall be like him for we shall see him as he as he is what's heaven like i'm gonna do the best i can with some of the stuff i've i've read and some of the things i, I shouldn't say stuff some of the golden nuggets that i've read um heaven all things are new because we're going to be in the New Jerusalem. You can go to Revelation 21, verses 1 to 7 to find that out. Resurrected bodies, perfect, glorious bodies, no scars. I think the only scars we're going to see there are the nail prints of the Savior's hand and maybe his feet and side, certainly his hands, as a reminder of how much, to us, how much he loves us. I think that I'm using my sanctified imagination on that. We're going to be holy at last. The absence of sin and the temptation of sin, and we all have it, is going to be eliminated. Jealousy and hate is gone. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, gone, as William MacDonald said, replaced with the fruits of the Spirit of love, of joy, and true peace. The Bible says that every tear is going to be wiped away. <clears throat> Life's heartaches, and there are so many. An anxiety-free existence, free from life's tensions, stresses, and strains, the, the emotional turbulence that we sometimes go through, that's gone in heaven. Bodies that last for all eternity, I mentioned it before, no prescription drugs, no doctors, no hospitals, no surgeries, no doctor appointments, nothing for that, none, diseases don't exist, cancer is finally conquered, pain-free at last. I was thinking of Dr. Hagen and I, we share a common bond. I'm not a dentist. That's not the common bond. We both get kidney stones. And I was saying, you know what, Dr. Hagen, Paul, we don't have any more kidney stones because the chief cornerstone's gonna be there. So that's what I, I was kind of thinking about that, you know? Um, if, you're, if you deal with heartburn, you'll have it, but your heart will burn for the love that you're gonna have for the Lord Jesus Christ each and every day we spend in eternity. Each and every day. The Lamb who sits on the throne, we're never going to hunger and thirst. We're going to be brought to the fountains of living waters. There's no night there because the Lord will give us light. And then finally, no more death. You'll never attend a funeral again in your life. 
The last enemy that will be destroyed, the Bible says, is death. Think of the curse death has been throughout the ages. The pain, the suffering, the suffering, the sadness, the heartache and the devastation, the chaos. I mean, what, for ages this has happened, but no more, not in heaven. We're going to experience the glory of eternal life with the one who conquered death and the grave. And so, final questions. Final questions. If, do you know where you'll spend eternity? Can you honestly say where you're going? Are you going to escape perishing? Remember in John, for God so loved the world, John 3, 16, shall not perish but have eternal life? Will you escape perishing? Or will you possess eternal life? One of the writers said, may you escape the one and possess the other. And, then, and what's the way to, how do we get there? Jesus is the way. I am the way, he said, and the truth and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. Matt, just one final thing. And then we'll have a prayer. Thank you.
decision time for some people here. Never turned their life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a day coming. I hope that you will be part of it. But you need to turn your life over to him. You need to ask for forgiveness of your sins. Make him the Lord of your life. Let's pray. Our God and Father, how grateful we are <clears throat> for the God that you are. The one that loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son, his one and only son, to die on the cross of Calvary so that we might enjoy eternal life, eternal fellowship with you. Our words are inadequate to give you the thanks that you deserve, but we say thank you, and we give you praise, honor, and glory for it. And now, Father, I pray for the one here who doesn't know you, who needs to turn their heart over to you. I pray that they would do this. It's a simple prayer, Father. All they need to do is just to say, Father, forgive me of my sins, every sin I've committed, I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for what he did on the cross, my eternal salvation, and I would have eternal life. And help us too, Father, to live each and every day in light of eternal life. Again, we thank you for this time that we have, you have given us. And again, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory that is due you, our God, our Father, and our loving Savior. We pray this in Lord Jesus Christ's name.